0: This is Dylan. This is Nick, and you're listening to.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, here we are on another fine Saturday afternoon. Beautiful weather we're having. Absolutely beautiful. Holy smokes. It's uh, about, what is it, 80 degrees
0: out right now on May 2nd. Um, I'll tell you what, it's definitely been a huge blessing um, in this kind of nuts time of the coronavirus. I, I felt really discouraged and whatnot in some of my days. Uh, but this weather has been an incredible blessing. Wow. It's Chaco weather. Oh, my gosh. Bre- Dylan has, has some ridiculous toes sticking out of his, out of his shoes here. I have actually stayed away from Chacos, believe it or not. Never bought a pair. I don't plan to. Why? I never trim my toenails. Oh, (laughs) shoot. I just (laughs) just said that on on the air.
2: Shoot,
0: okay. (laughs) There goes my chances. with Nick, I'm
2: glad you don't wear Chacos. Um, I do, however, I love wearing Chacos. I got a pair around the time I moved out to Colorado, and I tell you what, my feet breathe I can run in them. I can walk in them. I can swim in them. They are, I think they're the Lord's shoes. Let me tell you. They're Lord's shoes. Yeah. Let me tell you what.
0: um, I'm reading the, well, I just got finished reading The Hobbit right now. You know, The Hobbits, they roll around with these, with no shoes, actually. Yeah. So I'm thinking one day down the road in the fourth age of, of Middle Earth, they might invent some chacos to walk around and walk them down those mountains. That
2: might be something. Yeah, honestly. I mean, if they had Chacos at the time of, of The Hobbit or Jesus, I, it'd, it'd be interesting. <laughs> All right, uh, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? <laughs> I was hoping you would answer that question because I think it's, it's something that's hard exactly to define, but yeah, go for it, Nick. Thanks, man. Yeah, Having no idea what I'm about to say, here it is.
0: No, uh, today I think we're going to talk about young adults um, yes. and just kind of the, the strange... Lifestyle and dilemma and dynamic that the young adult, you know, kind of society brings, um, and kind of how we can navigate that. Since Dylan and Dan and I are all young adults per se, right? Um, go ahead.
2: Right, and I have to tell you, I I'm incredibly excited for this conversation. I have had a handful of conversations recently about this topic or topics related to it, and I'm just really jazzed to talk about this with you guys. I know we were. We kind of have a text thread the night before we record, and we had a little Google Doc going. And there are just so many times where I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm pumped to get at this, to start talking about this. We, we kind of have a, a thing we say with each other off the air, save it for the podcast. So at one point, I, I texted hashtag, save it for the podcast. Save your thoughts, want to hear them, and I'm excited to hear them today. Right, yeah, this is definitely one of those topics that we could go on and
0: on about. We may have to have a part two, three, or four for this once we get done at the end of the day. But I feel like this is a topic that we've already had several conversations Mm -hmm. about at the bar, drinking beer, or if you're me, drinking root beer. Um, Okay, we'll we'll just keep going. And, you know, there's just so much to sort out, uh, to make clear when it comes to, you know, how we should involve other young adults in a community that they feel like they, they need to be a part of and aren't and you know, kind of what's our call, what's our purpose, you know, as, as young adults in the church, especially. So we're going to talk a lot about those, those random things I just mentioned as we we go
2: along here, I think. Right. And I think there's, there's a number of directions we can go. And that's, that's why I get so excited about this because I think we can just follow the Holy Spirit where he leads us. And, and I'm just excited because yeah, there's a number of ways it could go, whether that's, you know, talking about millennial culture, whether that's talking about specifically young adult Catholics the young adult life in general? What, what are the struggles of young adult? What is a young adult? Why don't we actually start there? What, what is a young adult to you, Nick? Other than an adult who's young, I would say
0: we're generally talking about you know, people that, I think you were saying 18 to 35 is mm-hmm. kind of the general age range. Mm-hmm. Um, usually people 18 to 21 are still kind of in college. Sure, I'm thinking probably you know, outside of college, and before 35 is who I'm thinking kind of demographic wise. People that are, you know, 21, 22 to about 35. Um, right. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking age wise.
2: Which which also happens to be fairly close to the millennial generation age range as well. It might be not quite exactly it. I think millennials, you know, the youngest millennials are probably in their early 20s now. And the oldest are in their late 30s. But I think it's interesting that as when we talk about young adult culture, if that is our, our age range, it is a particular generation. It is the millennial generation. And so I think there's a lot to analyze there with regard to what, what is characteristic of our generation. I, I identify as a millennial. I'm on the tail end. I think we all are you know, close to the tail end of it. but uh, I kind of like being millennial, actually.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell you. So I'm, I'm 27. So I'm kind of smack dab in the middle and closer to the tail end of being a millennial. So yeah, I actually hadn't thought about uh, young adults right now being tied to a certain generation. So that's interesting. I, hopefully we'll get to talk about, you know, the relationship between what young adults generally need and also what millennials need. Maybe we connect those together a little bit. And, so, so are you comfortable with that definition, 18 to 35? I think so. Yeah, I think with young adults, um, it's tough because a lot of times it's tied to where we are in our, our vocational stage, our, sure. our stage of life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think a lot of young adults, especially now are single, you know, mm-hmm. not yet in their yeah. vocation if they're not called to single life, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I also think that's not generally true. I think someone who's 24 or 25 and married is also considered a young adult. So, right. um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a young adult ministry, I guess you could call it in Huntsville. It kind of spans a few different parishes and There's a there's a group me with maybe sixty or seventy people in it and it's grown. I think when I moved here it was like forty people when I got added and yeah, it just continues to grow and there's smaller groups within this that do stuff and each parish kind of has their own little thing, or some of them do at least. But you know, in this group, for instance, it's mostly I'd say eighteen to thirty-five. There's a few people who are, you know, maybe in their late thirties. There's a few people who are maybe on the younger age, I'd say in general, though, it's post-college. I think there is, you know, UAH here has a good college ministry, and I think that's something you'll find a lot of places is that colleges have really good community, whether that's just through campus life or whether that's through faith-based organizations. College students tend to have community kind of, I've always said, handed to them. You know, in college, you, you have community handed to you on a silver platter. You show up, you live with your friends. You are involved in a ton of awesome organizations that fill you up. You, you know, hopefully are involved in a faith-based ministry and rooted in your faith through that. And I was just always awestruck. Like I always had something to do in college, always had people to be around. And I think that changed a little bit when I entered the post-college world and especially the post-focus college world where I wasn't still immersed in that community. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the whole reason why we're
0: kind of bringing up this topic of young adults and how we should navigate that kind of lifestyle, because you know there is this sense in which, in college, right before our young adult entry, we had these great communities, you know, that we were in. I, I know I had a you know great group of friends that I did life with, and you know my young adult journey kind of started off, I would say, after my time in Focus, which was, mm-hmm. I think, the best community for young adults, people just out of college, on the planet, you know, for mm-hmm. um, especially for you know, devoted Catholics. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, jumping from that into basically nothing. And there's this gap time in between, you know, I'm jumping out of a great community and, you know, maybe I'm 35 or 40 and I'm married and, you know, have kids and I have a, you know, general community because of that. Mm-hmm. There's this gap time in between, you know, good communities. Yeah. So I think we've, you know, referred to oftentimes young adults says the forgotten age. I think I've heard that tagline before, mm-hmm. that forgotten forgotten um you know, social group generation, or whatever. Maybe. Yeah. Generation. generation yeah. yeah. Where we're just kind of left out of you know, these different communities and we don't feel quite, you know, quite fitting in or, or this and that. So.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think you kind of alluded to too, it depends a lot on, I guess, vocational status. You know, a 22 year old who is married and starting to have kids is in a very different place in life from a 27 year old who is not married and does not have kids. And I think sometimes you see that breakdown in, Maybe it's ministry settings or different social settings. I remember one time meeting a guy at um, an event somewhere and, you know, he was roughly my age and we connected. We had some mutual friends. So we had a good conversation and I wanted to get him plugged in because he was new to the area. So I told him about like this young adult community we had and it was actually kind of funny because he was very dismissive of it. Um, and, I kind of, I don't know if I took it well, but he just kind of alluded to, he's like, well, that's like a singles thing. And I've got my wife and kids, um, and they're like my priority. And like, he's right, you know, like that's his priority. But I felt as if he didn't think that like what we were doing had anything to do with him because he was in his vocation. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's right. Maybe it's not the right way of looking at it, but I think that... For better or for worse, there, there is a distinction there. If, if you're in a different vocational state, your needs are different. What you look for in community is different. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we think about different things. We have different desires. We have you know, different things in our prayer uh, if we're in different vocational state. So I, I feel like that's a natural thing for someone who's married to, you know, okay, it's great to hang out with people who are single, you know, but also I feel like the, the desire is to hang out with people who are also married you know, in that state of life who also have kids, you know, they they can talk about and, you know, sympathize with different things uh, than single folks can. So,
2: Right. And I think one of the things that makes me think of is, you know, I didn't come prepared with any statistics, but statistics, statistics, that's a hard (laughs) word. You probably say that every day though, the mathematician. mathematician. Repeat after me. Go ahead. Statistics. (laughs) Right. Statistics. Good. These statistics are out there on (laughs) the millennial generation. And I think it's pretty clear. Our generation gets married a lot later if they get married. Um, And, yeah, so there's just, I think, a much higher percentage of people in their 20s, uh, even 30s maybe, who aren't married, don't have kids. Exactly right. And I just think it's, regardless of ministry standpoint, it's just a fascinating demographic trend, I think.
0: Yeah. I want to make sure we're on the same page with what you
2: just said because I think
0: that's so important and why I think it's unique right (laughs) now you know, in our, our quote-unquote, generation, you know, where it wasn't maybe, you know, 50 years ago. Because I, I think, you know, how, what age were your parents when they got married, Dylan? I think my mom was not yet 21. Not yet 21. No. Whoa, that's early. No. Um, my parents got married when they were 21, uh, okay. when they were seniors in college. They were still in college. Yeah, they, spent a, se- yeah. they spent a year, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, a semester, I believe. Sorry, mom and dad, if I get this wrong. But I think <laughs> they spent... Um, yeah, our our parents are listeners, I think, or at least they will be. Oh. One, one of our, one of our nice. thirty our
2: list 30 listeners. All right. here. Shout out to <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. All
0: right, quick <laughs> tangent. Anyway, so yeah, they got married when they were 21 and still in college. You know, so they didn't have this, you know, time where they jumped out of their college community and, you know, were still single and not yet in their vocation and didn't have, you know, anybody to hang with or whatnot. But the age of getting married is seeming to increase in our generation where, you know, I'm 26, almost 27. I, you know, I'm not even, I'm not married, you know, and that's normal. So we've got this gap. For me, it's been almost a five-year gap now of not
2: being in my vocation and not being in that college community. So So I've got a follow-up question on that, and it's provocative. You know, last week, one of the things we talked about is, is asking good questions and asking maybe even sometimes provocative questions. So let's just go straight for it. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? People are getting married later. That is, oh my gosh, that's
0: a great question. We're going to go on and on about this. Um, I've thought about it. I thought about it personally too, because, you know, I ask myself, I'm 26, almost 27, and I see my parents get married at 21 and I ask, is that okay? Is is it okay that I'm, you know, six years behind vocationally Mm -hmm. is kind of what I, you know, say to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think so. I think it depends. I think it depends. I think people should be in a state where they're ready to get married marriage is a serious or, you know, vocation in general or with priesthood, you know, religious life, marriage, that's a serious, that's a serious yes you have to make first yeah. to something your whole life, you know? So I Absolutely. feel like we have to have the virtue established and, mm-hmm. you know, the right things oriented in our lives so that we can, when we say yes, we have the ability to follow through on that, that forever kind of promise, you know? So sure, um, yeah. if that's later in life for us, then okay, it has to be,
2: you know? So are we, are we developing virtue later? What's going on there?
0: I think so. Um that okay. that's that's my personal opinion. Uh, I see it in myself. I'd still do things or mm-hmm. I, I feel like people were sixteen and learning these things that I'm learning. Yeah, you know, such as like how to work a budget or
2: Sure <laughs> You know
1: yeah. Um
0: How to get um get out of bed at my alarm and you know things I'm I'm still struggling with, you know, whereas if I had a spouse I'd need to be able to do those things promptly and with ease. Um yeah. you know, so I'm still kinda of work and there's a certain sense of course in which you know, we're always going to be growing in virtue. But I think we we need base traits and virtues to to be able to enter into a vocation, so.
2: Yeah, and I think, I wonder how much, too, the college life kind of plays into this a little bit. And I know we have some listeners who are college students, so I don't want to exclude them by talking only about young adults. But you are young adults. If you're above 18, you're a young adult, and a lot of these things are going to apply to you. But I just think of, you know, there is a time, and this is very generalizing, very much generalizing things, but there's a time where, at least in my head, families, you know, there's a lot more homeschool a lot more community centered and you lived at home until you're 18 when you're 18 you're expected to go off get a job start a family and provide for them you know if you're a man and and without getting too much into to yeah how that looks different for a man and for a woman but there's this expectation like when you're 18 you're off on your own and now we kind of have like there's a lot of you know live at home till you're 18 and then at 18 it's like oh freedom like, now I can do whatever I want. And you go off to college, and yeah, I mean, everybody's college experience looks different, but I think everyone I know experienced a drastic amount of freedom compared to what they had experienced before they were 18. And, yeah, I think maybe it's, it's a freedom in the sense of, of license, maybe not freedom in the Christian sense as much, um, of being, yeah, truly free and virtuous and free from the slavery of sin, but yeah, you're you're able to do whatever you want, and maybe not as much a sense of responsibility. You know, I think of for some reason, uh, you know, JP two's love and responsibility, um, and his great work, is coming to mind. If it's just that sense of, yeah, when you when you're off on your own, maybe you're given this this freedom of us of a sort, but you're not also given this responsibility, and then the responsibility comes comes later, I guess, when you graduate. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. I think you're right, and I think we have to learn that
0: responsibility kind of on the fly as we jump into the real world, mm-hmm. you know, and um, juggle a new job and a new lifestyle mm-hmm. with learning the virtues necessary to enter into a vocation. I think you're exactly right. It's a good point. Um, yeah, other thoughts? I'm trying to think. You know, I, I hate to bring this up, uh-huh. but and this is a whole other can of words and maybe talk about it a different episode, but I think, too, uh, the whole thing with these phones that we keep in our hands, you know, constantly throughout yeah. the day. It just seems like we're less impressive as, as human beings because we have mm-hmm. this, you know, knowledge box in our hands where we can look up, you know, doing things on the fly or, you know, mm-hmm. look up certain knowledge points on the on the fly. or we, we just, we don't have the kind of inherent virtue that we would if we didn't have those that I feel like gener- generations, you know, 60, 70 years
2: ago had. Yeah. Um, say, say mo- I guess I want you to say more about that because I, I think... You might be onto to something, but I don't know if the connection's immediately clear. Like what, yeah, what's the connection between the smartphone and... Yeah, so I think we're, you know, kind of...
0: I don't know what your... Story, when did you get an iPhone or a smartphone when you were I was a you sophomore up? in college. Sophomore in college. So you were older then. So mm-hmm. I had the fir- very first iPhone when I was in eighth grade. And I had mm-hmm. my first phone when I was in seventh grade. So I was, I was young. You know, I was still kind of at the point where I could be formed by that sort sure. of thing. Um, I feel like with this kind of generation, maybe, um, could be wrong, this kind of generation, we kind of grew up or at least halfway grew up with these phones or the technology in the middle of our, in our, you know, in front of our face or in our hands. Yeah. And that influenced kind
2: of our lack of virtue. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a what I myself. I, I hate, I think I am a little bit addicted to my smartphone. I think honestly, most, most Americans are. Um, yeah, I would be so bold as to say that most people are addicted to some level to their smartphone. If they have one, I'm not as extreme as maybe somebody like my brother, shout out PJ. I know he's a a faithful listener. listener. He, he is insanely anti-technology and he's proud of it. So I don't think he minds me saying that he's never owned a smartphone and much to the dismay of You know, people in our family, he just refuses. He holds out on getting a smartphone, and a lot of that's very research-based. You know, he's seen the effects psychologically, scientifically that this has on brain chemistry. And, yeah, also on an experiential level with people around him who he sees. You know, maybe he's trying to hold a conversation with them, and they're not present. You know, they're on their phones. They're looking down. And I know I'm guilty of this, and I know... And I hate that because I know how frustrating it is when I'm the person who wants to be listened to. And right. I'm clearly not as important as the cell phone in their hand.
0: Right, absolutely. You know what my first reaction was? And I wonder why this was. But my first reaction when you said PJ doesn't have a smartphone was, <laughs> mm-hmm. good for him. You know, yeah. that was my first knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wonder why that is, because smartphones are are good, right? They give us great goods to, you know, connect with people mm-hmm. and it's infinite amount of knowledge, it seems like. But my first reaction mm-hmm. was, good for him. I know personally in this coronavirus time, I've I've definitely increased my smartphone usage. Right. And I noticed actually the other night that I was having just really difficult time concentrating on, you know, this book I was reading. And I don't know whether that translates mm-hmm. directly to my yeah. extra use of uh, technology but i I felt like it did you know, just my attention span and my you know um, impressiveness as mean, right. kind of
2: had gone yeah. down yeah, um, and it's there's this phenomenon, I mean, I think the think of the people I know who don't have smartphones intentionally and they're usually pretty like yeah pretty cool people to get to know, um, pretty virtuous people, pretty intentional people, uh, the kind of person you want to have a conversation with to go back to like our topic last week, they're probably better at conversation right. It's more attentive, when way they look you in the eye. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, there is something impressive about it. I think there's something you said for that there. I also think of, you know, the time we're in under the pandemic too, where we're also localized. We're forced back into this local community, into our neighborhoods, into our homes, into our families. But I think because of the digital world, we don't know how to live in it. Because what are we doing? We're living at home. We're, we're maybe living with roommates, family. We're right next to our neighbors most of the day. And yet we're Zooming with people across town, across Becca, right. the country, across the state. It's this weird phenomenon where, yeah, we should be growing more in local community, but we're not right. because we're we're just so immersed in this digital world. And so there is a lot of, yeah, there's a lot to be commended in somebody who refuses not refuses to join the digital world because most of these people are on the internet or, you know, they use it as they need to and use it as it aids them to communicate with people. But they're immersed in local community. And I think the fruits of that are tremendous. And I think those are the kind of people, honestly, I'll tell you, I talked to PJ a lot over the last few weeks. I think he's doing better with the quarantine than anybody else I've talked to. Mm. He's thriving. He is- loving it he's an introvert so that helps but he's doing creative things ways he can see his friends he's doing things with his roommate he's he's just making the most of it and i think a lot of that's probably because he's not tethered to technology
0: wow that's a powerful point something to think about
2: (laughs) while we're on this you know who else is not
0: tethered to technology (laughs) who's that Doris. Oh my gosh, there she is over there right now, our faithful listener. Let's wave. Everybody wave
2: at Doris. Hey, it's Doris. Doris. <laughs> she can't hear us. She forgot to turn on her hearing uh, are aid we gonna, Are we
0: going to make her appear in every episode? I'm starting to get tired of Doris here. You're tired of Doris? <laughs> hey, wait, where were we with this conversation? I think we just went on a huge tangent about media that
2: had nothing to do with our topic today. So. <laughs> okay, well, no, all right, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. In my, I think that, okay, and I'll, I'll connect this in this way. So, I had a conversation on the phone last Saturday afternoon after our podcast with Eric Dewey. He is in charge of the Catholify Cthol- app. Mm. Catholicify app. I, I don't know what his title is. He created it. It's his project, and I know a lot of a lot of people who use this app. But basically, it's an app that connects young people. But it also, um, you know, has resources for prayer, for the sacraments, has virtual adoration links, and all that. That's, I think, helped a lot of people in the pandemic. But I was talking to him and we talked a lot because he was trying to feel out what the young adult millennial culture is like, because he found himself that kind of tends to be his target market, um, more or less unintentionally. And so we both had a lot of kind of intuitive ideas about it. And it was really, really awesome, actually, to kind of flesh those out. And one of the things he said is that he, he would go to like focus conferences and know, he'd have a table and he'd start talking about his app and he kind of sensed this, this kind of repulsion to technology that young people had, Hmm. you know, he said, he talked to so many people who are like, yeah, you know, I deleted Facebook, um, yeah, I I don't like to keep too many apps on my phone, um, so I, and there's just kind of this, this aversion to the use of technology, um, and I think, I think, and we talked about how that's one, it's not always a religious thing either. I think, yeah, it can be something, you know, like when people realize it maybe isn't good for their prayer life, they take a step back. But I think at a secular level too, you know, Apple's making screen time apps. Um, a lot of these organizations are, are realizing and also, yeah, the very people who want you to use their product are the ones also c- trying to create ways for you to do it in moderation. That's, that's actually kind of unthinkable in a capitalist society. So I think there's there's a recognition of this as a problem. And I think, I think it has a lot to do with our generation as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point about, and, you know, talking about young adults specifically, I wonder, you know, in that dynamic, why if they do have this kind of aversion to media or, you know, their apps on their phone, which I think is right, I, I do too, especially during mm-hmm. this time where I'm more prone to look at my phone and TV, mm-hmm. I'm sick of it at the end of the night. You yeah. know, what is it that, they want that they're not getting mm. in this media. Uh, I think that's really something to discuss and we can yeah. go forward with here. Is that fair? you have any thoughts initially? Yeah,
2: no, I, I think that's a great, great direction to go with this. Cool. Yeah, I think, gosh, what is what are the needs? You know, what are what is the what is the experience of a, a young adult in general, of a millennial, of somebody in their twenties? Right. You know, maybe not in their vocation yet. Like what what are they longing? And you know, we're all kind of in this boat. And so I think we can speak from personal experience, but also having worked in, you know, college ministry and young adult ministry, I um, I think I see the things in myself are pretty common to others. Right. Yeah. I uh, One thing that initially jumps out to me is,
0: and it's obvious, is community. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's very easy. I, I find, you know, I find myself talking about myself a lot, but I think it's just an example of, you know project, you know, my experience and projecting it onto other young adults. I hope that's <laughs> fair. But one thing that I know I go to when I go onto social media and that, that you know, ordeal is I want community. I want to go there and I want to encounter someone when I'm sitting there by myself in my living room or whatever it is. I want to want to encounter someone. I want to have that interaction with another human being yeah. in an authentic way. And right. once I get on there and I scroll down the feed a little bit for 10, 15 minutes, um, I realize that what i 'm doing right there is not bringing me what I wanted it's not bringing me that real human interaction, mm-hmm. so I think what young adults really do desire, you know, especially if you're not in your vocation, is a physical, tangible community right. you know, where we yeah. a place where we can gather, um, a place where we can look at someone face to face like you and I are doing now, yeah. um, you know just that authentic communal experience you know not not you know through a screen
2: and I think I think we as a generation too we we understand, we see the futility of kind of pseudo community, if that's, if that's formed on social media or on the internet in general. I think we see, we see how that, we experience how that doesn't completely fulfill us in the same way that the in-person interaction does. And so I think there's this longing and we see it especially because we grew up on it. We grew up in the digital age. We grew up immersed in technology. And I'm really fascinated actually to see how the generation below us responds to, because they're even more immersed in it than us. Right. So I wonder if they will be more, uh, more anti-technology than we are. Um, if the, you know, when Eric Dooley and I were talking about, it, he kind of described it as a pendulum, he thinks like the pendulum swinging the other way mm. towards, yeah, maybe being a maybe being a little bit more moderate in technology use. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, so I think
0: maybe, and I could be totally off, forgive me if I am, but I think maybe in, you know, when you're in school, for example, you're up, you're in middle school, you're in high school, you're in college, you know, the need for tangible community is, is kind of there. You know, I mean, you just have those natural people that you're engaging in, you know, life with. You're doing the same mm-hmm. thing. You're in the same room oftentimes. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, so it's just kind of this, you know, C.S. Lewis in his, his book, The Four Loves, kind of mm-hmm. calls this companionship. You know, it's just kind of this... I'm walking along and doing this same thing that people around me are doing. And because, you know, I'm around these people that are doing the same thing as me, that's who I hang out with. It's this companionship, this, you know, this kind of I'm tagging along with whoever's around while I'm walking kind of a thing. Right, yeah. Um, You know, and I think with the young adult community, once we jump out of college, okay, we've got our work, we've got, you know, whatever it is, our gym, our, you know, Um, our apartment complex. We've got these people that are kind of around, but, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, at my work, I've got, you know, maybe one or two people that are my age in my same stage Mm -hmm. of life. You know, I have just, you know, several thousand people that work where I work, you know. um, The people that I'm walking with are not, you know, in the same stage of life and aren't someone who I want to hang out with naturally. Right. So there's this kind of, disconnect of, I used to form my companions, my friends, by just hanging out with whoever was around. Mm. But now that I'm hanging out with people, you know, now that I'm around people that I don't really want to hang out with, what should I do?
2: How do I form community? Um, yeah. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, let's go there. Let's talk about that. Because, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, of things I know of your experience and my own experience of yeah, maybe find com- finding community in the post-college world. And, you know, I think of when I, when I moved back to Huntsville, left Focus, moved back to Huntsville. And, you know, the thing is, every conversation I had, Nick, was the same. And I'm talking about, I was, I was seeking out community. So that's, that's a disclaimer. Like, I knew that it was important. And that was, you know, an absolute priority after, like, the interior life is, like, finding others to walk alongside in my faith. Mm. So I was seeking out faith-based community. But as I met people, as I met Catholics my age and my kind of state of life in the area, every conversation was the same. It revolved around something like, yeah, you know, I'm going to work, I'm coming home. And it's just kind of monotonous. I don't have good community. I, yeah, maybe have a couple things that I do every week to get plugged in with community. But I'm not really walking alongside people or like being intimate with people like I was in college Mm. or like I was, yeah, maybe even before that. And then I also think of people, you know, like when when we started a men's group, every conversation with somebody I would talk to to, to invite into this was the same. It's like, oh, my gosh, man, like I need that. I need, wow. to, I need that community. And it's like they've been thinking about it for months, but they've just never had an invitation or never had – it's never been given to them. could right. Well, so I think what you mean
0: is it's never been given to them is – it's kind of always been there, naturally. It had been kind of you know, that community that they, they wanted or uh-huh. that they were a part of had kind of always just been placed in front of them. But it, maybe it hadn't mm-hmm. been given to them in that, in that period of their life. Is that kind of what you're saying? Or right. what, what well, do you mean? Yeah,
2: I think, I, think, I think back to C.S. Lewis, you were talking about companionship. Right. You know, there's that sense of you are in this camaraderie with people you're doing things together. Right. But I think, I think we're not experiencing that. Right. Because we're, we're around people at work, but maybe we don't really connect with them or spend a lot of time with them outside right. of work. Maybe we're around our neighbors, but we don't know them. Right, right. And so I think we're not experiencing the fulfillment of that longing in our day-to-day lives. And for those who don't, you know, I sought it out, but I know a lot of people don't s- seek it out. And I mm. know... I know there are a lot of Catholics, maybe listening to this, maybe not listening to this, but who are going to mass on Sunday, who long for community, who long for friends to walk with in their faith, and they right. just don't know where to get it.
0: Right. That's exactly right. And I think we need to talk a little bit about what kind of friends, what, what mm-hmm. kind of relationship mm-hmm. we want to have with people that are that are our age, you know, mm-hmm. as young adults, because I what CS Lewis and I'm about to read a quote here from the Four Loves that I think is really powerful and meaningful and enlightening and you know for our mm-hmm. our young adult you know community um, but I think we need to talk about you know how I have you know for example I struggled a long for 2 years you know after I came back to Huntsville finding any sort of community I'll mm-hmm. tell you what though I was involved on a soccer team I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you what boy I was involved on a soccer team uh with you know 20, 25 guys. And we'd get together, you know, pretty much every Sunday and play a game. And I, I love that. I enjoyed that, mm-hmm. but they talk about soccer, you know, and mm-hmm. that's great. I love soccer, but there's a certain sense in which I want to run in life with people that, are running towards the same goal towards the Lord, and that 's what ultimately yeah. I want to do is I want to, I want to run shoulder to shoulder with someone right. towards that towards this you know heavenly goal and you know maybe I go to my gym and I make small talk with people going back to our you know conversation from last week, maybe I make small talk with yeah. someone who rides on the treadmill beside me every day or you know but that's just there's a certain sense in which there 's something missing there yeah. you know so i 'd like to kind of share a quote that I think Please. is really enlightening uh, from c s Lewis about what friendship is um, and how it kind of begins so here it is. I'm quoting him now. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what? You too? Mm. I thought I was the only one. So that's just Good. a short, you know, kind of a short quote from him. And that, that's, that's a perfect example, right? And he goes on to mention, you know, how we should envision friendship as two people shoulder to shoulder facing some goal, not facing towards one another but shoulder to shoulder facing some goal and in separation, here's another quote from him. Um, And instantly they, meaning the friends stand together in an immense solitude. Wow. So they stand apart from other people and say, Oh, you too. I thought I was the only one that felt this way. Bang. Mm -hmm. And that's how friendship begins. Yeah. So I feel like in our young adult community, we need, we need that. We need, we need people who, you know, where we and we say, aha, you too. You know, let's, let's stand apart from others and, and run shoulder to shoulder.
2: Yeah, absolutely! Wow, I mean, I you know I never set out to be a C.S. Lewis fan, but I just find myself just falling in love with the things he says all the time and quoting him personally. You know, I think that's two out of three podcasts we've brought him up oh, at least. Really? And oops. I'm always bringing him <laughs> up in class. No, don't. Oops! Like <laughs> no, it's this? just funny because I never I never was like yeah like I'm gonna read everything from C.S. Lewis and be his biggest fan, but it just comes out because he's just so wise, Um, and it's. In his book, "The Four Loves," I mean, it's rooted in, in really Aristotelian thinking, um, right, right. You know, it, What Aristotle said about friendship and love, but he presents it in a way that's just really accessible, I think, right. to us, as moderns. And I think his thoughts on friendship are, on friendship are very powerful. Um, I love that quote I thought of that quote yesterday, like, "Oh, you two, I thought I was the only one." Hmm. And I think if we just think about that for a minute, isn't that all of our experience of friendship? I feel like that was, you know, how our friendship started. You know, it was, oh, I thought I was the only one thinking these things, having these, <laughs> these longings, these, these thoughts. And, you know, I think, I think what is that? It's, it's the fulfillment of loneliness. Because hmm. we have these de- desires, these thoughts, these passions, and they, they remain unfulfilled because we're just kind of thinking them to ourselves and longing for their fulfillment. And, and then when we find someone... Who, who experiences those same things. It's, it's, I just think of like a breath of fresh air, like a sigh, it's like, ah, finally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fulfillment of, I think, mm-hmm. a very deep desire in our heart. Exactly right. And, you know,
0: that's the, the ultimate, you know, place in heaven that we have is all of us together in community, mm-hmm. side by side, you know, witnessing the face of God, you know, in complete right. communion with one another. You know, and that's um, just an incredible vision and you know, kind of a snippet that we get of heaven when we have friends like that, who we can run with. You know, and I think as young adults, you know, obviously I don't just think, we, we, we desire that. You know, we want people right. to be side by side with that are in our stage of life, that are thinking and praying about the same things, have the same desires, you know? So that's, I think, what young adults need kind of maybe first and
2: foremost, or at least, you know, one of the mm-hmm. things that we need, you know, as young adults. Right, so, so friendship, I think is a fulfillment of a need. It's a fulfillment of loneliness. Right. It's not an ultimate fulfillment. I think is important to keep in mind. I think you know sometimes I I don't want to take for granted, you know, an understanding of of basically what I think of as like the sacramental worldview. Um, theology of the body is rooted in this, but it's it's basically this idea that um, in our catholic faith in the sacraments is rooted in this, but like things, creation itself, all the things on this earth are, yeah, we're meant to have these desires and the creation, things, beauty, truth, goodness, friendship, they fulfill to an extent these things, but in reality, they're a sign. What is a sacrament? It's a sign of an inward reality. They're a sign of the ultimate fulfillment of heaven. What is everything oriented towards? That's the love of Christ and the church. And that is a a spousal love. The Bible actually I'm finding more and more is all about the spousal love between Christ and his church. And I think that's why we have marriage because marriage is a very real tangible sign of love, of intimacy that's fulfilled only in God, but finds its expression through signs in this life. And I think friendship, and friendship should be at the root of any marriage too, I think, but friendship is very much at the root of one of those things that's a sign. And I think that's why we long for it because it's a sign of our ultimate communion with God that we desire that is our final end.
1: Hmm,
0: right. Let's maybe summarize uh, just to make sure we're kind of on the same page. Why mm-hmm. is that hard for young adults? Why, why is that hard for our kind of age gap, especially? Is it hard? First of all, I hard think to I find think, friends. Let me yeah, go. right. I, th- I think we've established that that is hard, especially mm-hmm. for our kind of age gap. So why? Why is okay. that hard for us? Yeah.
2: Um, I can yeah. think of a couple of reasons. I don't think it's, I do think it has something to do with the, the digital age. I think we're less connected locally. We're less connected to people around us. I think it, yeah, I think it has to do with the generational gap where we're going longer without settling into our vocation. So we're like, in a sense, we're like big kids um, in our 20s who were not yet settled into our vocation. And you said it's a bad thing. I'm going to agree with you. Like, I don't think everything's about it's bad, but I do think we, in our nature, are meant to enter into our vocations younger than the general population is.
1: Mm.
2: You know, I don't think, and if you, yeah, if you really just think about it, I don't think human beings were meant to get married at 35. That's not in our biology. And I think that that plays into it as well. So we're in this kind of like false stage of life and there's good things about it. Don't get me wrong. I think when you do it well, you can live out incredibly good intimacy in your relationships, in your 20s if you're not married. Mm. married, But I think it is a kind of pseudo stage in life. It's not a vocation. And it, I think that creates part of the problem as well. Is there anything you'd add? Yeah, um, just a little bit maybe about
0: we can go off on this too. But I think the solution a lot of times, especially in the Catholic kind of you know, world to young adults, is to kind of create these spaces, these events probably, you know, mm-hmm. where young adults can gather. Right. Perfect example mm-hmm. is, you know, theology on tap or, you know, your state's version of theology mm-hmm. on tap, your right. diocese version of theology yeah. on tap. We talk good news, cold brews Yeah, ours here. is good news and cold brews. Great ministry, right? It's yeah. great. We love it. We look forward to it every month. Every month. Love our friend it. group jokes that, you know, that's our one day per, the, per month to meet new Catholics, you know, so we better come ready with our Especially evangelical women. tools. Yep. Okay. You don't have to share that with everyone. But now that we're yeah, now that it's it out there, yeah, it's our yeah, opportunity yeah. to meet people with opposite sex and maybe pursue yeah. our vocation, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's these spaces where, you know, are kind of the, you know, diocesan solution to gathering mm-hmm. adults to promote community. You know, yeah. so I wonder
2: if that were is that working, I, you think? You know, it's funny, I hear kinda air quotes around solution when you right, say right, that. Right. Do you do you think it's not a uh, not really the solution? I don't know. I mean I'm just
0: so yeah, I, I did do the, for our, our listeners and not our viewers, we don't have any viewers, but I did the little, <laughs> our producer Dan is waving. He's Dan our one Fox. viewer. Now, um, <laughs> I, think, I think, did I do the quotes when I said that? You didn't do it. I heard the quotes. It was
2: like this like, telepathic communication. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Communication. I, that's funny. It was, funny. was we kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: No, I did have the little air quotes in my mind, but I'll do them now. Solution. <laughs>
2: <laughs> doing air quotes for, those, for those listeners who can't see us.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. I have my doubts as to whether or not that's the, uh, the solution. I think it's a great thing. Um, I think we have to have a follow up to that quote unquote solution. There has to be uh, someone, two, three, four people maybe, that are intentional and are willing to pursue like an intentional community yeah. after this kind of event. I think the purposes of events should be to gather and, so that you know, we can form community elsewhere and outside of that event. Uh, Is that fair? Yeah.
2: No, I'd agree. I'd agree. Absolutely. Um, Something has to change about the way we're living our day-to-day lives. But what is, you know, I I, I don't know if I can put my finger on what that is. Um, Yeah. I think maybe, maybe we'll get into what can
0: young adults do maybe towards the end to kind of, um, you know, meet their desires to be in community and to, but before before we do that, though, can we mm-hmm. jump into maybe some other things that we think young adults need besides sure. community? Yeah. I think yeah, that's probably the best way to go about it. Before we get to fulfillment. Yeah, and and then we can the... get into how we can fulfill those needs. I think that would be a good thing to That'd do. That would be the logical yeah. process.
2: Right. Yeah. I got to keep doing honest here. Go ahead, Dylan. What's our next thing? Then our, our needs. So we, we talked about one. The first is like loneliness, right? So fulfillment of, of that right. lonely desire. That's fulfilled by community, I think. Right. Yeah. I think.
1: So
0: another need, maybe purpose? Yeah. I, so I kind of like to get into this a little bit, the sense of purpose. And I think we said mi- mission too, is something maybe we wanted to discuss too. I think they're, they're tied hand in hand. Sure. This idea of I'm not in my vocation. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a job that I mm-hmm. know if I like yet, or I want to stick with, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. feel that way. No, I do sometimes, you know, so there's this kind of waiting period, this kind of purgatory, if you will. I I just made that out now. This kind of earthly purgatory. You didn't make up purgatory. Purgatory's been around much longer (laughs) than you have, Nick. You know what I meant. Um yeah, I just think there's this kind of waiting period where we're not really sure where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. We're kind of spinning like, you know, around and brown in a circle and we're not sure where to stop and propel ourselves. No, what direction.
2: So anyway. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's so much worse in the midst of a pandemic. Where we're isolated. Absolutely. I think I myself in the last two months, for the first time in a year, have experienced that kind of lack of purpose. Hmm. Um, and, you know, because I was going in, teaching high school every day, coming home, I was coaching baseball. I was invested in young adult community and a lot of in-person things. And, yeah, I was just really driven and I just found a lot of fulfillment in my day-to-day now I'm teaching online. I'm going to school online. I live most of my life from the same two rooms. And just over time, I've just felt this more and more, yeah, this lack of, of mission-drivenness, this lack of purpose that wasn't there before. And I think it's just a result of, yeah, not being as connected as I was.
0: Absolutely. You know, one thing that I admire about previous generations, I'm kind of looking at nostalgia, you know, generations mm-hmm. previous, I think. Uh, we like to refer to the World War II age as like the greatest generation. You know, I think of them when I when I say that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the general decisiveness of someone to jump into a pursuit or a vocation at 18 years old. You know, that is an incredible thing that I've right. only been on this earth for 18 years old and I choose to devote my life to this thing or to mm-hmm. put my life at yeah. risk for this thing. Yeah, this you person know, or this, yeah. Yeah, they're that convinced mm-hmm. that that's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think kind of with the young adult you know, generation right now, and I, I sense this in myself again, is, yeah, this lack of purpose and mission, which kind of results in a general indecisiveness. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this thing this week, you know, oh, you know, that didn't really work and that's not really bringing me fulfillment anymore, so I'm going to jump into this thing this week. There's this, this kind of what should I do and where should I go kind of feeling yeah. among young adults. Um, I don't know if that's true with oh, you.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. and as you're saying that, I want to get into the, okay, what fulfills that or what's Absolutely. the solution, but is there anything else you want to add to needs? I'm done. You're done? Okay. Let's go on. Yeah. So I think those encapture <laughs> most of the needs, right? There's more you could think of and we're sure. probably missing some. If you want to email us, uh, we'll give you the email at the end of the show. Right. Send it, Send them in if there's something you want to add. But I think the, a lot of that is encaptured in, in those two things, that lack of purpose and then the loneliness. Right. Right. So how do we fulfill those? Let's, let's go in order, maybe start with loneliness. That was the first one we talked about. Sure. I, I think maybe the solution, um, and again,
0: I think Dylan and I can maybe, and Dan as well, can maybe safely say that we still struggle with these things, you know, as young adults. Mm-hmm. And there there's a sense in which, you know, we're always going to struggle with these things a little bit. Right. Just more yeah. pronounced in the young adult community. Yeah, there's
2: not, there's not a married person or a, a religious vocation person, whatever you call them. Um, who does not experience loneliness? Right. I guarantee it
0: right yeah
2: i I think so and this is an obvious kind of Catholic
0: Christian answer, but I think it 's true if we believe that it is is prayer you know mm-hmm. I, I think when we 're we 're looking for our you know community that we want to be in or you know to kind of not fulfill but sort of satisfy that loneliness mm-hmm. you know it 's deep prayer and i 'm talking i 'm not talking about you know saying your Hail Mary kind of halfway. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I just kind of recited. which mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, has spiritual fruit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I'm talking about prayer with belief that what I'm praying about is going to, to come true, to be realized. And what in the world is our friend Dan over here eating? Oh He's got gosh. a chicken a salad,
2: a well, cranberry salad. almond chicken that? salad,
0: okay. totally distracting my passionate thought that I had just then. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, Gosh, I want some of that this out. Anyway, so I was talking about <laughs> praying. You know, just yes. with with belief. And I capitalized right. belief. You can put the little quotes around it if you want. Right. Yeah. Um belief that what you're praying is is going to
2: come true because the Lord wants that for you. Go ahead. Well, it, gosh, I don't know. When you when you talk about prayer, it just gets me going Uh-oh. because Got him going. I I'm really passionate about what what I would call the primacy of the interior life. Um, just the importance of prayer in our life at all because I think a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, especially when you say pray and Protestants, just Christians in general, anybody say, Oh, do you pray? It's like, yeah, I pray. But then you ask them what it looks like. It's like, Oh, grace before a meal. Um, maybe in our father before bed. When you remember, that's not what the church talks about when it on, talks about now. pursuing a prayer life. Um, and some of you might be like that. You know, I know for a long time I was like, I thought I was like, I had a prayer life, but my prayer life wasn't, really i think what the church what the church says a prayer life should be and i think the tradition of the church is prayer is is consistent mm. it's daily amen. time spent with god amen you know if that's 10 minutes a day if that's 30 if that's an hour it's time you're setting aside to spend with the person you love with the god you adore right and we would do that with another person you have to spend time with a person you love in order to nurture that relationship we have to do the same thing with god we can't have a good relationship for we're not spending time with him every day. Absolutely. That might be a little tangential to what you're saying, but I think it's important because, okay, how do you fulfill loneliness, right? If ultimately all these things point us to relationship with God, okay. if we're not praying, we're, we're what do you, what are, so what's the phrase? Kicking ourselves in the foot? We're Absolutely. shooting ourselves in the foot? Yeah. Can we, can we be honest for a second? No, I, no I, honesty. I want
0: to
2: talk, <laughs> we weren't being honest before. Let's be honest
0: Everything now. was a lie until <laughs> now. So let's be honest for a second. And let's talk about adoration really quick and what that is, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, mm-hmm. As Catholic Christians, we believe that that is God. And we say, mm-hmm. you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Yep. that That is God incarnate right there. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have this incredible opportunity to to pray in front of and, you know, in mass, even consume God. Let's let's talk about, you know, just praying in adoration for a second. Yeah, um, In adoration, just quick overview, sure. what is adoration? Excuse me. So that is... Um, praying in front of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. which is bread turned into the body of Christ. Yeah. So essentially what mm-hmm. adoration is, is you know, uh, basically we stand the Lord in the, in the presence of the Eucharist yeah. um, up in front of you know, the congregation, placed on the altar, yeah. on the altar mm-hmm. and we pray face to face with him. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what adoration is. And j- yeah. j- I just want us to just think about that for a second. And that is, that is God. You know who who we're praying in front of, you know, and and so we're we're gonna say as Catholic Christians that if we have this opportunity, we do have this opportunity in Huntsville, you know, most of the time, twenty four seven, right, or you know, oftentimes in other parishes. Um, we're gonna say that it's not worth our time to go in for ten minutes a day. You know, to a uh,
2: you know pray in front of God. Yeah. Now, I, C- come on, really? Right. I think of, so Nick, when you're saying that, I think of the, it's the classic story of St. John Vianney and he you know, had adoration going on in his parish and there's this like peasant who he saw every day and he knew it was like this illiterate peasant who, yeah, didn't know, you know, wasn't not well-knowledge, like knowledgeable, well-read. Ill- well, he's illiterate, so of course he wasn't well-read. And John Vianney just wondered like, what what's he praying about? Like he doesn't... He doesn't know his faith that well. Like, like, what's his prayer like? And so he asked him, like, what do you do when you sit there all day? What do you do? And the guy said, I look at him and he looks at me. Hmm. I look at him and he looks at me. And I think he has just the, the best understanding that we all should have. Whether you're conversing with God in prayer, um, whatever that looks like, if that's formal, informal, the reality is you're looking at him, he's looking at you. And that is... An intimate relationship. Absolutely, yeah. And that is the fulfillment. And then I think also to build off adoration, receiving the Eucharist um, is incredibly intimate because it's the consummation of that longing. So if we're staring and conversing with the one we love, the God we love, when we get to receive him, receive his body into our body, that's that's the fulfillment of that longing, is it not?
0: Yeah, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, so I think maybe just kind of as a
0: summary to this tip to how we can help mm-hmm. young adults, kind of um, fulfill their you know longing to satisfy mm-hmm. their loneliness, um, is is pray. And I think we yeah. touched on two things. One is pray so that you can be in communion with right. the Lord, so that mm-hmm. you can just grow in deeper relationship with Him, which is the ultimate reason for all that we do here mm-hmm. on Earth. You know, and and two is pray for a tangible community. Yeah, you know, pr- pray with belief that you know the Lord is going to to give you friends that you can run alongside yeah. in, this, in this journey. So I think those are maybe the couple of things that we discussed about, in a, about prayer.
2: I think it's worth saying before we go on to anything else that we could stop right there. We could leave it at there. If that was the only thing you did in solution of this fulfillment of loneliness, I think you'd be on a good track. Right, absolutely. But I'm, I'm sure you want something more tangible than that, something you can do, something you can— a change you can make in your life other than praying—that's gonna, that maybe seems like it's gonna connect you more tangibly.
0: Yeah, let, let's maybe just keep it really simple here. Okay. And this is just something I have I have in mind. Um, literally, is this: act, do something, anything, anything will do. Make a motion. I think you know, in my experience, in my first two years in Huntsville, not really having any community whatsoever, be just being feeling lonely and frustrated with that. I just didn't make a move. You know, I just, I spent a lot of time in my, you know, room praying and, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. And our our first, our first tip, which is important, you know, and thinking and wondering and frustrated about where I'm going to find my community. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I just needed to make movements to form it myself, you know, jump into a gym where I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of people my age go to a bar with, you know, maybe an acquaintance and kind of strike up a conversation with somebody, anything, do something, right? Right just kind of act,
2: see if that's where you're supposed to be. If not, go on to something else. Good. You know? I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because I think prayer is is number 1 and you can't you're not going to succeed in the rest if you don't start with number 1. Right? If you don't start with prayer, that's essential. But I think, you know, I think of advice I've been given, I think of something a spiritual director has said to me, it's just about discernment because I've come to him at times where it's like yeah, like I just have all these desires and I'm praying and like, I feel these desires and like, I feel like all these conflicting desires. Like I want this, but I also want this. Like, I don't know what the decision I'm supposed to make is. And one of the things he told me is like discern based off what God, like the, what God is doing externally in your life. Who's he placing in your life? Who, how is he working around you? And that was really helpful because human beings who are fallen, we have desires all over the place and We can discern to an extent our desires, but if we're only discerning our desires, we're going to stay in our head. We're going to be stuck in our head. And so, discernment requires action, I think, is an incredible principle. And so, if we are lonely, if we're looking for community, are you doing what you need to do? You know, are you looking after mass to see if there's other young people? And that may be a whole nother issue of, you know, is there something in the parishes for this? Uh, maybe part two. I don't know. We got.
0: We're gonna have to have like a part seven for this but, this yeah, conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This conversation will continue. But maybe that's yeah. Are you trying to find? You know, we we bash the internet a little bit, but is there a uh, social media group of young Catholics your age? Um, is there somebody you know who maybe you know he has good friends, good faith community who can invite you into? to that, the, some of those relationships that he has, what are you doing? Are you taking an action? Because the Lord, I think the Lord loves to work in those ways. The Lord loves to see us like take a step forward and then just kind of, yeah, reward, give us grace in, in those steps and just encourage us. I think of like a, you know, baby trying to walk, mm. you know, and it's like each step, like the father is just like watching smiling like there to catch him as soon as he falls, but he wants him to try he wants them to take
0: those steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. As you were, you know, talking about that, I was thinking of this book that I read recently. Um, it was actually the 2019 book of the year. It's called <laughs> the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. It's like huh, this, never heard of it. It's like this kind of cartoonish children's book, but kind of meant for all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of one, I remember one page that <laughs> I, that I read that was just so meaningful and powerful. the boy is talking to this horse and the boy asked the horse, what's the bravest thing you've ever heard someone say? And the horse says, help. Wow. Such a, such a powerful and mm-hmm. simple, you know, I think yeah. that's the way the Lord speaks to us sometimes. I heard this said once is, you know, the Lord speaks to us in these simple but profound kind of phrases a lot of times. Yeah. You know, that's so, so important, I think, just to, just to cry out and, and help. You know, maybe it's it's your prayer and also your action. Maybe it's to reach out to a friend, like you were saying. Reach yeah. out to someone who can engage you in community. Maybe yeah. it's just that one, you know, help. However, that said, you know, it's such an important thing to 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 act upon. Yeah, you know, that and don't be afraid to do
2: that because right. the enemy wants you to keep it hidden. Mm-hmm. The enemy does not want you to voice those things, and the Lord wants to shower you, shower you with grace for taking those little steps. Sounds like a nice shower. All right, so I guess is, is now a good time to talk about all these awkward construction noises people have been hearing? Oh, <laughs> goodness me. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully they don't come through, but...
0: I haven't noticed them very much. There is that classic, you know, tractor backing up beeping noise,
2: but I think we're all right. It's not too bad. We, huh? we sat down to record this, and it was all quiet, and then everything started up. We're, we're still on Dan's porch, you know. We're actually not on stay-at-home order anymore, but... We really like our setup. I honestly, I'm very comfortable being six feet away from Nick. Uh, let me so, tell you what. I can't reach out and slap him on the head when he says something
0: stupid. Stuff. I
2: think we're gonna continue to keep this setup. It's honestly quite nice. We'll have to uh, we'll have to share a picture sometime, or maybe we could do a video podcast, and y'all can see this setup we have because I quite like it. We got buckets. For resting our <laughs> drinks and books on. I thought you were just going to leave them at that. We have buckets that we're sitting on. we do on. have buckets. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. We have buckets. Right. Buckets. Doris has a bucket. <laughs> and it's me. Doris. Stop bringing up what poor Doris.
0: <laughs> Dylan, do you have something that you'd like
2: to share with our listeners before we oh, head I off? Oh, I do. Here? You're right. Okay. You're right. And that is that I love each and every one of you. <laughs> That's oh. not it, but it's true. Um, what I would like to share is that we have an email. Our email is show at gmail.com and we'd love for you to send any questions comments any topic ideas I know I've gotten some we'd love to hear it we want to interact with you guys it's you know we honestly I'd probably do this just to talk to Nick and hear ourselves talk but it wouldn't be the same without listeners so yeah we'd love to hear from you so please give us give us a shout let us know your questions comments concerns hate mail I'm open to it I don't know about you Nick how's your self-esteem
0: It's all right. You know, I kind of do this podcast as kind of an ego builder. So I feel like if, um, you know, people start sending a hate mail, that would be contrary to what my purpose is there. But anyway, Let's say
2: (laughs) send hate mail to either me or Dan, because I don't think Nick can handle it. (laughs) So if you send hate mail, just put like a disclaimer in the subject of the email and we'll make sure Nick does not read it. Right. Hang on.
0: And maybe we'll post uh, our email in the show notes so that people actually know how to spell colloquium and show yes, after. It, it
2: will be in the show notes. And okay. it's also in our show notes from episode two, colloquiumshow at gmail.com. Great. We hope to hear it from you. This has been our podcast. All right. Y'all be good. Peace. Y'all soon.
1: Just as each other.